Welcome to the AFR Ratings Podcast, Round 16 Wrap. My name is Pete and I go by the name of AFR Ratings Pete on Twitter. I'd like to welcome in co-host Aaron Bryans. G'day, Aaron. Hey, Pete. Uh, you at Adelaide Oval on Saturday, Adelaide versus North Melbourne Wrap here. So, powerful display from the Crows against the Kangaroos. 21 goals for Adelaide, ranking 5 goals, Fogarty 4, walk or 3 is the main. Yeah, I think it, it almost went the way we expected. I guess the, the final result was certainly what people predicted, but North have kind of shown. I mean, they're on a, a 13-game losing streak now, but they've um, they've always been competitive for at least a half of footy, and they just don't seem to have the tank to compete with the best for an entire game. And Yeah, they've shown some really good signs uh, over the past month, um, which is, yeah, it's hard to explain when they're obviously battling so much on the, the win-loss table, but compared to a side like West Coast, who obviously performed quite well against St Kilda today. But, um, yeah, North North have a lot of positive signs, and, and they certainly brought the fight to Adelaide for a half footy and then fell over after after half-time when Adelaide really put the foot down. Like, they're, they're competitive in the middle North. Um, the Crows, though, just, yeah, have all the assets. They've got one of the best forward lines in the competition, and yeah. the delivery into it is is elite. They're one of the best, I think they're the top team for, for scores per inside 50 because... They're just so efficient when they kick it in, and, and we saw that with you know Taylor Walker, Isaac Rankin, uh, and Fogarty to an extent as well. That yeah, they were just getting silver service, um, didn't have to fight too hard for their footy, and and the midfield generals and, and Dawson Laird at times as well um, just took over. So um, no, I wasn't yeah too disenchanted by what I saw from North Melbourne, but um, they were never really. I mean, it was, it was always going to be a tough task when you're playing an Adelaide Crow side that's just so good at home and it averages over 100 points per game. There, that, um, it kind of went the way of the script. Yeah, if Adelaide can make finals here, I think they could be actually a threat. So our midfield is really good. The fence is just holding strong at the moment, and I agree that forward line is very much a threat. And when you got Rochelle, you Mankin as the smalls, and uh, you got Walker. Up there, Fogarty as well can hit the scoreboard, you know, and Phil Thorpe uh, is pinch hitting in the ruck and obviously uh, a forward target there as well. There actually could be a threat come September if they can get in. All right, so let's move on to Ben Key. So he impacted in a variety of ways and he was one of the best for the Crows. Yeah, it was a weird one because he, he only attended one centre bounce, but it felt like even though he started across half forward, he, he found his way through the corridor plenty of times and out on the wings and yeah, he, he was just the link man. Um, a really impressive display, absolutely everywhere. Impacted the scoreboard as well, and um, he, he's just so versatile this year. Like we've seen him play that lockdown forward role on on a you know a high possession high half back. We've seen him in the guts as well. Uh, obviously, Rochelle's kind of been out of the middle over the past couple of months, so he started strong in there. They've decided to change it up and, and inject keys back in. Sloan's starting to pick up some as well, and. And it may be that that run is over. Well, um, I'll do my best to check in on SA Grandstand this weekend with the Crows and find out what's going on with Ben Keys. But um, it looked like a, a bit more of a, a role change back to what he was doing at the start of the year. But it didn't impact him that much at all. He was still hungry to find the footy and, uh, um, yeah, found his way around the ground plenty. Yeah, Matthew Nix has actually been pretty consistent on this. He actually wants a fresher midfield. So... Um, obviously, that's a, a longer rotation, you know, into the midfield for a few weeks and then potentially out of there. So, you know, it's working well for the Crows and, you know, might be just hitting on something from Matthew Nietzsche. But, yeah, um, he's happy to give people a break from centre bounces and inside midfield work, except for, the, obviously, Rory Laird and, and Jordan Dawson there for a while. So he's happy to rotate them and a few players through there as well. And, obviously, that expands the midfield rotation there as well as we go along. For the Crows, so on to the next one here. So, Rolly O'Brien had a very strong influence on the game at Ruck. 
Yeah, I think um, it helped that Todd Goldstein got subbed out um, about halfway through the game, which I, I was surprised by that decision by Brett Ratton. But um, he, he was on in control anyway before that. Um, at his best, you know, he's floating around the ground, taking intercept marks. The, the part that kind of shocked us during the call was he was also a really strong forward, like kicked a couple of goals. One of them was from 50, a nice little set shot, um, drop punt, like... Usually he can't kick, as most rucks tend to struggle with, but he was incredibly accurate. It was a, a really rare game from Riley O'Brien. It's incredibly impressive. Finished with 52 hit-outs as well. Um, so, yeah, at, at his best, he, he's very mobile and around the ground and, and that extra player that you can utilise. And once Goldstein was gone, I mean, I, I'm not a huge fan of Callum Coleman-Jones, so I think he's he's just not up to that standard yet and is certainly one of the deaf players at North Melbourne that can fall out of the 22 with ease and to leave him one out without Todd Goldstein was just, um, you know, blood in the water for the Adelaide Crows and Riley O'Brien. Jordan Dawson continues his great form in the midfield for the Crows this season. Yeah, he's excellent. Um, I mean, we, we've talked a lot about the role change, how he started the year and half back and eventually the plan was to move him in and yeah, he's an absolute general in there now, to the point where, I mean, he had an incredibly dominant game. We'll talk about his fantasy in a moment. But um, he, he essentially disappeared in the final quarter because he, he actually had a really rough landing heading into half time and was in a lot of pain with, the, with his leg, and it looked like a, a knee concern. And, um, you know, he was hobbling down to the rooms. There was concern he might not come back. Um, plays a really strong third term, and then in the fourth when the game is wrapped up, they actually moved him back into defence, and he kind of, just took it pretty easy and only had a couple of touches in the opening part of that final term and then once again just pushed himself up the ground and found plenty of the footy to, to break towards that 28 disposal mark. So, yeah, he's just a, an elite midfielder. He should be in the All-Australian side um, and, and a great choice of skipper, which I think threw a lot of people, um, you know, a spanner that they just didn't see that coming. But um, internally they always knew he was the guy and he's shown that. On to Adelaide and North Melbourne fantasy wrap here. So you just mentioned earlier, so 136 points from Jordan Dawson and his scoring rate continues to be very strong. Yeah, massive. So it easily could have been, you know, 150. Um, he, he still managed 26 points in that final term. But again, as I mentioned, he, he was basically not even trying to fight for the footy in the first 10 minutes. He was taking it very easy uh, across the back 50 and, and then got himself back into the game. But yeah, incredibly impressive. Um, there was kind of a battle with him and Laird as to, you know, a lot of people would have been trying to decide who to captain, considering that Tim Taranto and, and Josh Dunkley did fire in the Thursday night game. That it was one of those weekends where a lot of us probably had to make a decision about a captain, which we haven't had to do in a long period of time. And um, I was tossing up Dawson and Laird, and ended up going with Dawson. And um, yeah, quarter time it, it wasn't looking that fruitful because Laird was starting to tackle, but Dawson picked up his marking game, um, plenty of uncontested marks, uh, so some easy plus sixes gets around the ground as well and, and, yeah, puts together another massive score. And I've harped on it a lot on the podcast, but, yeah, set and forget. Um, him and Dacos are the, the two best defenders in the game and you need to have them now as we head towards the run home. Um, he's essential and he's, he's going to keep making money out of break even of 82 and he's over a million. So, um, yeah, just just a massive run from him. The 136 backed up from the 172 the week prior and, not a bad run to come either. Like Essendon and the Giants are going to be, you know, pretty high scores for him, I think. Yeah, a bit of a toss-up there for me as well uh, for Captain uh, Dawson or Laird. And I end up uh, choosing Dawson based on what I thought could be a bit of a blowout. Therefore, you know, the inside contested numbers could be a little bit lower and more of an outside-type game. 
And therefore, I believe that sort of suited Jordan Dawson. So that's the way it played out there. So I was pretty happy with that result there. So on to the next one here. Um, as you mentioned, Ben Key. So didn't see that much inside centre bounce usage, but still gets there with 132 points. Yeah, which makes it really hard to decide what to do next because, I mean, I'll be like a lot of coaches who currently own Darcy Cameron and you're thinking, what am I going to do with him because he completely bombed against the Suns. And, and Ben Keyes is basically that straight swap if you're looking for kind of an affordable, lower or yeah lower premium kind of option in Ben Keyes. But the role wasn't there, which is the concerning part is, you know, the, the three or four weeks prior when he was getting 90 plus, he was right in the guts and the 132 is incredibly exciting because he's been able to do it without that, but we have to take into account it was against North Melbourne. Um, he got a couple of goals there as well as a result. Um, is he going to be able to do it against the better teams where maybe he does have to play that lockdown role again? It's mm. just it's so uncertain, and, and as a result, I just, I'm just not sure I can pick him up this week because I just don't know what's to come. And as I mentioned before, I'm going to do my best to, to get inside the, the four walls of the Crows camp and find out what's going on, but um, yeah, I, I just can't trust him, even though he's done so well. It's, it, you know, the break-even is going to be great. He, he was already pretty low heading in with a 55 and it's, and it's put on 132. So like, he's going to make money, but if you're thinking about a guy you want to keep until the end of the year, uh, I don't just don't know what he's going to do. Adelaide will probably move him around for the, the remainder of the run home. The one certainty is that you know, his role is not consistent and solid, so... I mean, obviously it is in question uh, because we've seen it firsthand, like with our eyes. Uh, and that backs up with what Matthew Nix, as I said earlier in the pod, is that Matthew Nix wants to keep that uh, midfield fresh and, you know, rotating players through there, you know, on a like a, a three or four week basis. And this is what we've seen with Ben Keys. He might not be in there for a little bit, but obviously, you know, he, Matthew Nix might have just sort of summed up the game and thought we could get a little bit more outside run through that midfield, and, you know, that's where we've seen Saligo in there and, and a few others, and, you know, Keyes was able to uh, provide pretty good pressure across half-forward for the Crows, and, you know, obviously disrupted the ball movement for North Melbourne there as well. So, um, yeah, it's just well, the one thing that's almost a guarantee is that his role in that inside midfield is not solid, and obviously you can look at how much money he's going to make uh, in the short term and the medium term, but, you know, with... We're actually thinking about points now uh, for the run home for the season. So uh, even though he could be, make a little bit more cash, there might be better scores out there for the run home. But, yeah, obviously we'll be uh, waiting with anticipation if he can get anything out of Adelaide this week, especially for his role against the Bombers at Marvel Stadium next week. So let's move on to the next one. Uh, Harry Sheasel, 106 points there. Slow start for Sheasel, but he gets there in the end. Uh, pretty solid roll across halfback again. Yeah, I think they're similar roles to what we've seen for the majority of the year. Obviously, Aaron Hall not in the 22 is very helpful. And, yeah, he's a, a good runner off halfback. He's still finding enough marks, but just plenty of touches. Uh, he was averaging 26 heading in and, and then put on a 31 performance. Like, he's, yeah, he's, he's such a great kid. And to the point where, um, you know, when your, your little days aren't firing and your Darcy Cameron's aren't firing, a D6, F6, like Harry Sheasel actually isn't a bad option. When we're trying to get rookies off the field, he actually may be one that's worth investing in for the rest of the year. Um, the hard part is, yeah, you've just got to keep an eye out to see if Aaron Hall makes his way back into the side. But he's clearly the better option out of him and Zeeble, who, who can you know be very high risk, high reward. But but Sheasel seems to be a little bit more consistent in that he's getting you know 80 pluses pretty comfortably. So. 
Um, yeah, I, I was really impressed by his performance. He hasn't really hit that rookie wall yet, which sometimes some of the juniors tend to do in their first year. Um, so, yeah, I, I quite like him because he's he's still averaging high 90s and he's actually, you know, around a, a low 700s. So he's actually, you know, so much points per money um, is a great result if you still have Sheasel. Yeah, uh, I wasn't willing to move off uh, Sheasel there, so I held him through and still have him right now. So the halfback role is really good. There's a couple of scenarios that could see a role change. Obviously, you men- mentioned Aaron Hall there as well. Um, but Clarkson coming back in as senior coach after uh, the back end of the season might make some adjustments there. So you just got to keep a, 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 an ear out for any adjustments there. And obviously, he was an elite junior as a half forward. So... Um, at any stage there, and obviously the Kangaroos aren't making finals, so I just want to evaluate some players there. That might be you know, a few more players across halfback, which might see a shift. And we've seen some inside midfield usage there this year as well, and he actually looked really good. So um, it's not a guarantee, but you know, meanwhile, probably the first one is there, Aaron Hall. So as soon as you see him, that something could be up. Um, but if not, you know, Sheasel hanging around halfback is a pretty good scoring rate there as well. So let's move on to the next one here. So 85 points from Rory Laird. So, you know, obviously the Kangaroos uh, were trailing this game and, and didn't really turn out to be a high-contested inside-type game. And that's that's Rory Laird's game now. It's, it's sort of transitioned from that outside, plenty of plus sixes on the outside, to an inside, in-and-under-type player. So, you know, that game well in hand for Adelaide and Rory Laird sort of scores suffered as a result. So 85 points from Laird. Yeah, it wasn't a bad game. That's the thing. Like, he actually played really well. He, he was pretty much everywhere. The, the issue that we're kind of seeing is Jordan Dawson's the guy who gets himself in space and gets these plus sixes that start the chain. But Roy Led's often the one who's, who's charging through the spine and, and, as you mentioned, getting in and under and putting his body on the line. And as a result, he's getting a lot of handballs. Mm. Uh, and that's just not helping his score. He had a low mark tally and then, yeah, he had two tackles in the first term and then ended up with five because North just dropped away. So... Um, again, that really high searing, ceiling because he can be a high tackle player, but he, yeah, he's not as reliable as a scorer because yeah, he doesn't find space. He, he is so contested in the way that he plays. But I mean, he's his second eighty in the past four, but otherwise he's completely surrounded by hundreds. He, he uh, you know, had that one bad game at the start of the year where you know I jumped off him to get to play Oliver the fifty-seven, but uh, since then he's he's been pretty reliable. Like he, he's still a top eight midfielder. I think if you've got him, like I understand he's going to lose some money now with a, a break even of 120 and a score of 85, but he, he's there till the end of the year. So I wouldn't really worry too much. It's almost set and forget. you just got to ride the wave. But if you don't have him, um, this is great. You know, a couple of weeks' time, he, he's probably going to be under 900. So unless he has a really dramatic big score over the next couple of weeks. So um, maybe he's one that you target if you got a bit in the bank and Sheldrick's going to keep making money that, he could be a high upgrade. I know, obviously, a lot of people will be looking at Tuke Miller and Clayton Oliver. So um, there, there's premium options available for you for that last kind of upgrade in your 22. Yeah, Rory Lee, the eight kicks and 16 handballs. So, yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. Like, a, a more competitive game in an under-type role needed, that's that's what we'll get from Rory Lee, and that's where he'll hit those scores. So... Yeah, uh, competitive games for the Crows coming up to finish out the season. I think that's actually a really good situation for Rory Laird there. So let's get on to the Round 16 Fantasy Wrap. So just some other notable players here. Uh, 127 from Lockie Neal against the Tigers, and it was a pretty easy win for the Lions, but, yeah, strong score from Lockie Neal. Yeah, I wouldn't look too much into it. I jumped on Neal 
um, just after his buy, and it's been a really fun run. Like he, he's been great the last four weeks. He, he's probably not going to be there at the end of the season. Like I'm, I'm kind of holding out and eventually probably going to move into a Sam Walsh once he's bottomed out. But um, when, when you look at that 127 on Thursday, it was largely because Josh Dunkley got subbed out. Like he, he was heading towards a pretty comfortable 9000. Like Lockie Neal, he certainly wasn't that far behind but he wasn't dominating and then once once Dunkley came off in that final term he went ballistic so mm. that's kind of helped him get to that bigger score um but I mean the Eagles at the Gabba this week is just tasty and and who knows you know um Josh Dunkley could be rested for that one as well so yeah he's certainly worth another week for sure and he, he's going to be making some money in the meantime but um yeah it might be worth to start looking around as I mentioned you know Tuke Miller's got a break even at 133 and it sounds like he might play this coming weekend so you can look ahead to that and maybe do a swap with those two. Sam Walsh is one that I really like, who I think, um, you know, he's, he's going to lose a fair bit of money, but he's a 30th disposal player. So he's might be one that you can sneak in at the end of the year. So uh, I don't yeah, like Neil as a guy you'd want in your side for finals, but he's, he's great to have right now. 128 points from Errol Gordon. And so a stack of work on the outside again from Gordon. He gets there with a very strong score. Yeah, I've got to apologise. I, I haven't been on the Golden Train for most of the year. I, I just didn't see him as a top six forward, considering the names that were in there. And, and that's kind of come at the expense of, you know, a Bailey Smith who, who just hasn't performed uh, as we'd expect. Um, you've got, you know, your likes of your Jack Siebels and your Harry Sheasels as well. But he's, yeah, the second best forward in the game now. I mean, and easily, you know, top three alongside Dunkley and Taranto, like, the most impressive part about his game is he, he's absolutely everywhere. He just runs so much, and he, he's not in centre bounces, but he's always driving up the wings. He's in the forward line getting shots at goal, and his ceiling is just massive. The, the part that's frustrating, which hopefully we'll, we'll see an improvement on next year, uh, which means he'll make even more money, is um, he tends to have a really hot start and then just disappears in the second term and eventually gets to you know 100, 120, when it could have been a 150 if he mm. just continued it up. Uh, and that's a big ask, you know. We're, we're talking still about a, a younger player who's already overachieving kind of what he should be doing. So um, apologies, yeah, to Errol Gordon and to those that I led astray by by kind of saying that um, he wasn't worth paying the money for because he was at 900k, and I just thought for that kind of money, um, it's better chasing, you know, a Cornelio or a Bailey Smith at the time. But he he has been worth it. He, you know, he's top three forward. Um, which is unfortunate now because he, he's just getting harder and harder to get. <laughs> he's, he's pushing towards that million mark. Uh, and it feels like, you know, he, Tim English, Tim Durand, obviously everybody has, but they're the kind of guys that you have to have if you're trying to chase a hat. On to the next one here. Uh, Fremantle don't get the result, but 134 points from Caleb Sarong, and he was excellent through that midfield. Yeah, and he's just established himself this entire season as as a breakaway kind of star now. Like, we've seen in the past that he, he's kind of lingered around that 80s mark and shown some big scores, but how reliable is he? And uh, the frustrating part is uh, I'm an Andrew Brasher owner, so I've always kind of been unsure about having both of them, but it hasn't mattered. Like, they, they both score so well together. Sarong has had this massive time run. I think he's had the last seven has been hundreds, and even between that, he had two kind of mid-90 scores. So, like, he he's been so good this year <laughs> to, to the point where, yeah, he, he is a top eight midfielder now. Like He's, he's certainly worth owning, uh, averaging 110, still making money. Um, hard to get to, but uh, if you have the, you know, the spare trade, the extra coin, 
could be worth getting up to him because just reliable, which is very handy come the back end of the year. On to the next one here. So Nick Dacos, 150 points from him. So Stuart Jew pretty much gives the indication midweek that they weren't going to tag uh, him in that game. And, you know, the game got out of control really quickly for Gold Coast and, and Dacos just went absolutely nuts. Yeah, back to his best now. Like, I remember at the start of the year, he was almost that very reliable VC, if not the, the captain at the end of the round when if, if things hadn't gone the way you, you wanted. But he had that little rough patch in the middle of the year where it started to get a bit more attention from some of the top-tier teams. But, yeah, the last five, he's been absolutely mental. And, yeah, back to his high-ceiling best with a 150 this weekend, um, which is great to see. You know, he, He's in Brownlow contention alongside Butters and Bontempelli. Um, on our votes, I think at the moment this weekend he's now just gone ahead as a result of the game against Gold Coast. So um, yeah, it's, it's really exciting to see the the role is there. Um, eventually he'll be a full time midfielder, but let's capitalise on him being a, a top tier defender while we can. Gold Coast uh, midfielder Noah Anderson won twenty three points from him, so solid game. Found plenty of ball there. Again, the game was out of control early, so it was just pretty much racking up points for the remainder of the game. For Anderson, he did well, uh, but Toot Miller is back into that team, likely next week. Yeah, nice to see some reward for those who, who held, considering that he was an optimal player to have with the favourable buy, but just never really set the world alight in the past kind of couple of months. He had those couple of big scores when Toot first got injured and then kind of fell back to the way that we he started the year out with those 80s and... Um, yeah, clearly a high potential guy. In a way, we've just mentioned it before, but he does remind me a bit about Caleb Sarong. Like, maybe next year is the year that we see some consistency out of Noah Anderson. I, I thought it was going to be this year. He was so impressive in the preseason. And, yeah, the expectation was he'd be, you know, a high 20s, if not 30s averaging midfielder. Just hasn't quite hit that mark. But, um, yeah, I wouldn't recommend jumping off on now with, with Tuke Miller coming back in because we just... We just don't know how it's going to go. Considering the first three weeks, he was pretty woeful with him in there. Um, it's just not worth the gamble right now. Porter Adelaide versus Essendon on Saturday nine. Connor Rosie was outstanding, won 45 points for him. Yeah, nice to, to see him kind of back to his best. I think he'd, he'd almost been the Robin to, to Butters as Batman in the past few weeks. It, you know, he'd, he'd almost taken a little bit of a backseat. was still very consistent, but just hadn't been that game-breaking player that we'd seen in the first couple of months. And yeah, well back to it now, <laughs> and which is great to see because it didn't really impact Butters either. And um, you know, I said at the start of the year, I thought both he and Zach Butters would average over 100, and we're heading to that mark now. So um, yeah, both very important to have in your forward line. I wouldn't worry about picking one or the other. Um, they're they're just both absolute guns, and they've got a pretty nice run from here as well, Port Adelaide. Now that they've got through some of the trickier teams, so um, yeah, I'm expecting some bigger scores from Connor Rosie over the next few weeks. And the game winner from Dan Houston from downtown outside 50, 124 points from him. Outstanding game before the shot on goal and obviously the game winner, but yeah, he was quite solid. Yeah, he's, we've, we've touched on it a couple of times across the year that he, he's this very, you know, high scoring but then can disappear the next week kind of defender, which is great for his price point. Like he, he is that kind of stepping stone to an, to an upper echelon player. Um, but yeah, they, they at times always saw him as an inside midfielder, and, and unfortunately, as a result of the players they recruited, he's, he's not going to end up there. But he, he finds his way up the ground. Massive moment, and what an excellent kick it was! Um, he just oh, dead straight in the end. By the way, it came off the boot and um, just over the line, which is incredibly exciting. But yeah, I, it's a hard one with Dan Houston. Like, again, that that D six spot, if you are struggling, you know maybe you, you're trying to figure out a way to, to capitalise or 
on Elliot Yo's injury and, and maybe a sideways trade this week didn't work. Um, Dan Houston could be an option there because um, he can make a little bit more money over the next few weeks now thanks to that 120. But just be prepared that there's a couple of games where he does go missing. On to the next one here. So in Alice Springs, uh, wet game there. So it was cold as well, and, and obviously that was a, you know suitable conditions for Jack Varney. He scores 145 points. Yeah, and he's just had a really good month. I, I know like his scoring hasn't always reflected that, but his tackling has, has been back to his best. Uh, I remember the the best year we'd seen him was he was averaging around six seven, and he's getting back to that point now, um, which is really exciting. Uh, again, I'm, I'm not sure what Clayton Oliver's return might do. Um, I mean, he's always been playing in the midfield, but. Uh, that might lose some of the ball use between Oliver and Petrarca back together, but his tackle numbers have been very exciting and consistent, which is great to see. So, um, yeah, that, that mid-pricing mid around, you know, your high 700s. Um, again, he's not a guy you're probably going to have in finals, and that this is the kind of stage that we're at now, the fantasy campaign, is you're upgrading guys that you're leaving for the rest of the year. So, um, good draft player but I wouldn't recommend getting on Jack Viney now with Clayton Oliver back this weekend. And we'll just have one last one in here. So the game just finished now, West Coast and Kilda, 137 points from Brad Crouch, and he just he went to town again through that midfield. Very high scoring, mate. Yeah, huge amount of tackles as well. Nearly broke Rory Laird's record, which was uh, pretty exciting to, to count along. But, mm. um, yeah, the Jack Steele return hasn't impacted him. It's weird because he went through that really rough patch in the middle of the year, and, um, yeah, I jumped on him after their buy, just purely because he was yeah, a favourable player to have and very affordable, just like Lockie Neal. Um, and it's ended up being yeah, a pretty big masterstroke. Like the last four weeks, he, he's been excellent. And Jack Steele started to improve, but it, it just hasn't impacted him, which is great to see because previously I think they, it was either one of them or the other would score big. So, um, yeah, Brad Crouch is a, a great little player to have, kind of a, a handy one, almost at an M8. Like I'm in, in no rush to move him on, despite the fact, as I mentioned, that we're heading towards finals. Like he's, it's been bloody good. And the next few weeks, um, you know, the Suns, the Roos, and the Hawks after Melbourne is a really tantalising kind of three weeks, and that's the end of the regular season there. So, um, yeah, maybe I'd be holding him till first week of finals, and then seeing who you can sideways to. Where can we find you on the radio this week, Aaron? Uh, so you can find me uh, at Aaron Bryans on Twitter if Elon Musk is still letting you read my tweets. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, SA Grandstand uh, on every Saturday at 11. So we did check in with uh, Port Adelaide this weekend. So the plan is to check in with the Crows and we'll definitely be asking about Ben Keys. Uh, and then I'll be calling the, the Port Gold Coast game Saturday night. So you can hear me on ABC Radio across the country on the ABC Listen app as well. Um, should be a, yeah, a pretty exciting game. I mean... Port Adelaide, obviously, on this massive winning streak, and, and Gold Coast just need to show something. I was a little bit surprised, actually, by the narrative that, that people thought they'd beat Collingwood because, yeah, the Pies are the best team in the league, and, and the Suns have just been, yeah, so unreliable <laughs> that uh, I just couldn't see it happening. And, yeah, if they don't show something against Port Adelaide, which is going to be a tough task at Adelaide Oval, um, the, the, yeah, the blowtorch is coming for Stuart Jew. You can catch me at AFR Ratings Pete on Twitter, AFR Ratings Twitter account, and associated Twitter accounts there as well. And AFRRatings.com.au for a stack of fantasy content, so just click into the teams for information, and obviously the players there as well for individual information. Well, Aaron, all the best in your planning for this week, and good luck to the listeners in round 17. Thanks, Pete.